Thank you. Good morning. Happy Easter, everybody. I almost thought my job was going to get stolen because Melinda, she was like, the Holy Ghost was up in here and she was preaching. And that was, a, that was called what you call a, a preaching prayer. We're all just saying amen, amen. That was good. Thank you so much. Could we give it up for our worship team? Yeah. And the thing that's crazy is any given week, any given week, uh, our worship team, there's going to be people that aren't on that stage that are just as invested. And I just, I feel so blessed. I got to be honest that every week there are people that have been praying and preparing and working together and working out the kinks that we could show up right at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. And there's been so much prayer and like uh, foresight and practice that's gone into just where we just get like the fruit of getting to worship together. It's like medicine for your spirit, man. It's so good. And that last song, I, I almost didn't, I almost couldn't pull it, rain it back in, uh, the tears for, uh, for preaching. So thank you guys. Um, got to meet this morning at uh, sunrise, just after sunrise, or as we call it in the Northwest, when darkness turns to light. Because sometimes the sun rises, and you don't see it, you just see the effects of it. There's probably a, a very spiritual message in that statement somewhere. But we gathered down at Boulevard Park at 7, uh, multiple churches. I think there were five or seven churches represented down there, and um, we all worked together. And it was, just, it was just rad to gather with people from Bellingham and uh, different churches in our city to uh, do what we're doing here this morning. Because at Christmas, we celebrate the entrance of the, of the light of the world who came into the world. And at Easter, we celebrate the light of the world's victory over darkness. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, a Bible or a way to get on to get God's Word open, would you open up to Matthew chapter 27? If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We're going to put the verses on the screen. But I want to read to you, or we want to uh, read together the account of the first, well, the only uh, resurrection day. So in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 62, we pick up the story of where we left off on Friday. Good, uh, Good Friday, where Jesus was taken down from the cross, laid in a tomb. Then the tomb was sealed. And then this is what it says. The next day, the one after the preparation day, so on Sunday, the chief priests and the Pharisees went back to Pilate, the one who announced the guilty verdict. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. LOL. So they went and made the tomb... I just LOL'd on Easter. They just went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. After the Sabbath, 
at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going into the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you, Lord, that this is not a story that we read on paper. This is an account of an event that took place that changed everything. It changed what we are to be afraid of, the voices that we are to listen to, the purposes that we are to live for. Lord, you changed everything. You changed the game. So we come before you this morning to celebrate who you are. And we also ask, Lord, because you are alive, because your word is true, we know that you have things that you want to say to us. You are our creator. And you are also our king and our leader. So we open your word. We open our hearts. We open the four walls of this church. And we ask that you would step in Fill us with your presence and your word and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What we see here, chapter 28, verse 1, after Sabbath, at dawn, or maybe your, one of your translations says, as dawn was breaking, we see Easter began at the break of dawn, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. My Easter message for this year is called The Break of Dawn. What happened at the break of dawn? Because at the break of dawn, something changed. Something was different. Something was broken. And that which was broken was not Jesus. He was broken on Friday for the sins of the world. And I want to let you know that Jesus didn't limp out of the tomb tired and exhausted. He rose out of the tomb healed strengthened, empowered. The tomb was like a cage holding him back and he kicked that sucker open and came forth like, what up? My name's Jesus. I told you I would be back. At the break of dawn on the first day, Jesus was released and empowered to break and this is what we want to talk about. At the break of dawn, Jesus broke the power of darkness, the chains of loneliness, and the fear of death. The power of darkness. I love in verse 65 
of 20, chapter 27 where he says, Take a guard, Pilate said. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how, as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone. I don't even know what that means. It's like the wax seal, like tape from the, from the stone to the wall. Like, don't break the tape. To make it secure as they know how. After the Sabbath at dawn, when Mary and the other Mary went to look, there was a violent earthquake. God came, uh, an angel came down dressed in all white. It was powerful. These soldiers, who weren't just soldiers, by the way, it's not like rent a security officer. We're talking the baddest of the bad Roman soldiers. The SEAL Team 6 of the day was sent to guard this so nobody could mess with them. But when this angel came down, when this earthquake happened, when Jesus, when, when he released power, it says that they were so freaked out, they were just like dead men, could not move. This tells us, you know, that there's an overwhelming battle every day. The battle of darkness and light is a real battle. It's a battle that we see in the world. Watch any news you want for five minutes and you'll realize there's evil, man. There's hard things that we're facing. People are gnarly to each other in the name of all sorts of stuff. My grandma used to say, uh, sweet, sweet Texas lady, Gladys, Gladys Stubblefield was her maiden name, Gladys Johnson when she married my grandpa. But she used to say this, to my cousins and I when she would get real mad. Why are y'all so ugly to one another? Now, this has always stuck with me. That the people in this world, man, they're just ugly to one another. There's, there's darkness. It's real. But we also see a battle of light and darkness in ourselves, if we're honest. This battle exists within each one of us. I think the greatest darkness, there's so many, so many things going on. I think one of the greatest darknesses that we face as people in our world today is the darkness in the lie that we are our last greatest hope. The lie that it's up to us to fix everything. The lie that we have to come up with all the solutions and all the answers. We as people have the final say in life and death. I think that's a great darkness that, that, that fills the world to today and that we face. And as quickly as the sun's light shines on the horizon every morning, God's love and forgiveness wants to shine into the dark parts of our own hearts. At the break of dawn, Jesus broke the power of darkness. Daniel 2.22 says that God, the Spirit of God, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells within him. We say it like this. If you are a follower of Jesus, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Light always wins in the battle of light and darkness. Have you ever noticed? You can't turn on the dark. You can turn on the light, and no matter how, how bright or dim or, or whatever, the light always 
overpowers the darkness. It says this about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. Paraphrases this, Jesus is alive. Because he is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, there is no darkness in you, in your past, present, in your past circumstances, or present circumstances, or future circumstances, that's beyond Jesus' reach. If somebody believes that, let me hear it. Amen. I think about these guards, and when you realize that Jesus is alive, I know it was for me, it can be frightening. Because if Jesus is alive and this is real, then what does that mean for me? And I think there's the hesitation because of the battle in light and darkness not to step into the light. And here's the deal. I've heard this all the time. Oh, I can't come to church. If I come to church the moment I step in the door, it's going to burn down. People say, those are conversations I have, and I, I just say this. That's not true, because I go every week, and it's still standing. If I can come, and it's still standing, anybody can come, and it's still standing. But there's like this, there's this lie that we battle, that if I show up, and I show Jesus who I really am, he's going to like strike me dead, because I'm so evil. That's not true. That's not the gospel. And that's not God's character. When he was on the cross, hanging for your sin and mine, what did he say? He didn't look at you and be like, you stupid people. This is why I'm doing this. Get it together. He said, Father, it came out of him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When the sun rises, this is coming into some of my favorite time of the year. Winter, you know, that our family loves winter. But you know in Bellingham, when the sun doesn't just come over the hill, but you can feel its warmth in the morning, and you can sit out on your porch or wherever you are, and the sun rises, and you just feel God's rays. That's what it's like to stand in the light of God. That's what it's like to let light feel, fill the dark parts of your heart, the uncertainty of your heart. That's the power that Jesus has. Don't hide from the light because it wasn't given to burn you but to warm you. The second thing, at the break of dawn, I love this. Jesus broke the chains of loneliness. Look at verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. They were expecting you guys to find Jesus dead and in the tomb. And they were surprised to find out that he wasn't there. But we read the Gospels and Jesus is always saying, I'm going to go to the cross. The Son of Man is going to be given over. I'm going to die on the cross, but don't worry, after three days I will rise again. You're right, he does say that all the time. But I know that God tells me he loves me all the time and I forget I know God tells me that he's got my life in his hands. I don't need to worry, and then I go and worry. There are people just like me 
and they forgot. They need to be reminded, and they were surprised when the angel said, Don't be afraid. He is not here. Come and see. They were experiencing loneliness in a way that they never had before. They had been walking with Jesus every day closely, side by side, because that's how Jesus goes with us. He doesn't meet us there. He walks with us. If you're a student, he had been walking with this woman, these women. He had transformed their lives, redeemed their past. They were whole and new in him, and now he was gone. Life was be more than a bummer. They were, they were, this was a funeral service, a memorial service. They were going to see Jesus. I could tell you guys the stats, but I think you already know. People are experiencing loneliness in our world. People are lonely. We are all looking for meaning and purpose. Something to attach ourselves to. I'm a this. I'm a that. I have this. We attach our identities. I heard it said from someone that our identities are constantly floating around looking for something to grab onto. Something to attach ourselves to. We spend our time, our energy, and our money searching for contentment, for fulfillment, for identity. And when we don't find it, we think the answer just has to be, well, I'm, I'm, I, I need more. We find ourselves eventually feeling trapped. Have you ever found yourself saying something like this? How am I supposed to do this happy life thing? We're all trying to figure out how to do this happy life thing. Because at the end of the day, we're looking to ourselves for what can only be found in Jesus. I believe that for our world. I believe that huge for our city. I believe that Bellingham is a place that people move to by and large because of a lifestyle that Bellingham offers. I believe it because it's part of what drew us here. Outside life. Um, I love being outside. I like being outside more than inside. We have a place that we love to spend time at up at Mount Baker, just right, right up the way. We have trails in here. The it's the most beautiful place, right? People move here for what Bellingham has to offer, but what is it about you could come here, live for a while, and then find yourself still struggling with the same unfulfillment issues, loneliness? It's because that it's a bigger problem than where you are. It's that you're looking to yourself to make yourself full, and it makes you lonely. It makes us lonely. But I'm here to say that lack of contentment can actually be a good thing. It leaves the door open for something new, for resurrection life, for new life. Jesus calls it abundant life. This thief, he says, came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that to give them life and that they may have it more abundantly. It means overflowing Full of fullness. Not materialistic, but full. 
relationships, companionship, full. Jesus promises purpose and fulfillment on a whole different level. That's what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Let me read that again, because if you listen to this verse and you actually take it and you kind of tattoo it on your own heart and life, this could change the game for you. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God wants to do things in your life that you can't even imagine. Jesus, because he rose from the dead, has the power over life and death, over darkness. He has the power to say, even if you're well-connected in the world and you're experiencing loneliness, he can do something different. Jesus went to the cross to show you that you're worth it, and he rose from the grave to show you that he's always with you. That's what the angels meant when they said, he's not, you're looking for Jesus who was buried, right? He's not there. You can't find him there. Look for him over here because he is alive. And finally, at the break of dawn, Jesus broke the fear of death. Verse 8, so these women hurried away from the tomb, Afraid yet filled with joy. I love that term. It explains so well what I feel sometimes. Walking with the Lord. When he's calling you to something new that's not comfortable. Afraid yet happy about it. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, verse 9, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee and there they would see me at the break of dawn jesus broke the power of darkness at the break of dawn jesus broke the chains of loneliness and at the break of dawn jesus broke the fear of death and that changes the way we live in these last couple verses i think that Jesus himself communicates two things. His resurrection is something that we celebrate. It's good to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's good to celebrate today. It's good to, um, you know, get candy and eggs or however you want to do it. It's just good to make a big deal about Jesus being risen. It's good to remind ourselves. It's not for him. In John chapter 17, remember we were reading it the other day? Jesus said this, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me. Now receive me back into heaven and give me, uh, return me into the glory that I had with you before we created the world. He doesn't need us to be like, God, you're so awesome. He is awesome. But we need to remind ourselves how awesome he is. We need to remind ourselves that like Jesus is better than fill in the blank. And it's worth celebrating. Because check it out. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He was buried into the depths of the earth. On the third day he rose again. Whether you 
have invited Jesus into your life, this is the reality in which we believe we live. This is the state of the world. Is there darkness? Yeah. Is Jesus bigger than the darkness? Oh, yeah. Is there confusion? Yes. Is Jesus with me in my confusion? Yes. I need to be reminded. Jesus doesn't need to be reminded. He is alive. I don't care how dark the world, I do care, but it doesn't matter how dark the world is, Jesus is actively involved. He's not distant. He's like with Mary and Mary. Greetings, earthlings. He didn't say that. I just added that. He is involved. The resurrection is something that we celebrate. We can clasp his feet. We can be pumped. We can have a barbecue. We can make a big deal. What did, remember Palm Sunday, what the world needs of the church right now more than anything? This is my opinion, but I have the microphone. What the world needs more than anything from the church right now is not the right answer. It's the right spirit. We, they, need, they need to see light. They need to understand grace. We need light. We need to more understand grace. As we celebrate who Jesus is, it puts us a right spirit to share with the world. The world just needs us to be who we are. But it doesn't stop here. It's not just something that we celebrate. Jesus' re resurrection is something in which we participate. This is what he meant when he said, go and tell. Greetings, come and see. Then he says, now go and tell. He said, go and tell my brothers. He tells us, go and tell whoever's across the street. Go and tell your neighbor, like Caitlin said in, in the announcements. Go and tell somebody. Jesus' resurrection is something that we participate in. Without Jesus, death is the end. You live, you do some stuff. Hopefully you make some good investments. And then you die and then it's done. But with Jesus, it's not only not the end, it's the starting point. Because he says, I want you to trust me so much that you would actually die now. You would lay your life down now that I would fill you with life and show you what abundant life looks like. Death is not the end. Without Jesus, death is either the end to be avoided at all cost, or it's the way of escape to get out of this crazy world. With Jesus, it's the invitation to join with him. The power of living in the reality of the resurrection comes from dying to ourselves. That's what it means when it says Jesus brings death to death. Or that lyric that we were singing this morning. We can say, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? This summarizes the message of the early church. We'll get back into it next week. We're in a series right now called uh, The First of Us. Just talking about the first church. The first people who encountered resurrected Jesus... Because after this, the story continues. If you've never been to church before, this is a big portion. The whole Bible zooms in on this as the, the, the turning page, the fulcrum point of history, but it goes on. After this, this thing gets started called the church. 
we are 2,000 years removed from the first ones, but we're looking at what were the rhythms of these people who encountered risen Jesus for the first time? What were they like? What did they naturally do? But this right here, we'll see, always comes back to, this summarizes the message of the early church. We call it the gospel or the good news. They proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus, that he was alive. They told people that God was alive. They shared that he had power and authority over the darkness in their world around them and the darkness in them. It's what they shared with people. They told people of his love for humanity. Didn't matter their background. Didn't matter where they were from, how they were raised. They went out and they told people that God knows them. He loves them. They told him he was so great that he gave up his authority to come to earth to show the depth of his love once um, and personally to show the depth of his love and personality once and for all to cover all the damages that we've caused on this earth and to ourselves. That was the message of the early church. That is the message, the torch that we continue. So to conclude our Easter morning message, let me just say this. See, I think about this stuff all the time, and I, there would have been a time in my life where I'd have been like, oh, that's good for you guys, celebrating that old stuff. But the reality is, we all are exper experience hard things. That is the story of the human race since sin entered the world. We experience and have to navigate hard and difficult things. Darkness is encroaching all the time. People do the most atrocious things, and the only answer for it is that there is a real, present darkness that is not from God. Loneliness, for some, is a constant companion. You just can't shake it. Meaning, purpose, and contentment at times can always feel just out of reach. If I could just, ah, oh, then... It'll be good. And then you take another step. That's why the Bible says uh, hope was something that you hope in. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's like if I could just, and then you take a step, and then it gets pushed again, and then after a while you're like, oh, what is the point? That's the reality of life. Life is hard. But because Jesus is alive, and if you have placed your life in Jesus' hands, you are not in the dark. You are what the Bible calls a child of light. God's light is in you. On Good Friday at the end of service, um, Anna prayed. She prayed the most beautiful prayer, but she said this thing that stuck with me. She said, God, when you said it is finished, the veil in the temple tore. We talked about that. And, and uh, we were invited in to your presence. That was the place of God's presence, and we are invited in to, to the place of God's presence. We are not walking in dark. God takes the darkness. That is forgiveness. He brings in the light. That is new life. What we're looking at is resurrection. You are not alone. Even when you feel so alone, your feelings don't get the last say.
Loneliness doesn't get the last say. Jesus is with you. Meaning, purpose, contentment aren't something that you have to strive for, but something Jesus places inside of you. That's why people say stuff like, how could someone in a village on the far side of the world be so excited about the gospel and this and that? They have nothing. That's our Western, like, American mind. Like, how could they enjoy life? They don't have anything. Because they understand what is being talked. People understand what is being talked about here. That's why Jesus made it so far and had such an impact with people who had nothing because they experienced contentment, joy, fulfillment, identity in Christ, all of these things that God gives. Even death because becomes something that God has factored in to hit to even death becomes something that God had factored in to his plan for your abundant life. Even death he uses as a plan for his abundant life. Jesus is alive and the whole world is better for it. Amen. Let's stand and pray this morning. As we stand and pray, the worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing this last song and then I'll close the service out. So Lord, we thank you for today. We declare, Lord, that you are alive and well. That your purpose still stands, that your forgiveness is greater than the condemnation that we face. That the light that is in you is greater than the darkness in this world. That your words are the words that need to stick to our hearts and the words that tell us who we are not, they need to fall off. Lord, we declare that you are God and King. You are not far away, but you are presently involved in our lives and in our world. We speak these words over ourselves to remind ourselves that you are alive, you are good, and your purposes endure forever. We sing this song to you, Lord, as a response to your goodness. We love you. And Jesus' people said, amen.